expected. Approach time 34, approach button 17. Yeah, altimeter 299 or 7. 997. Today's guest is no stranger to the camera or microphone. We know him best for asking the big questions, but today he'll be discussing them. Reflecting on recent reports and data, we discuss what the patterns of UAPs suggest, the new Cold War of uncovering the physics behind UAPs, and Australian cases of the Knowles family, Westall, and correlations between the Westall and aerial school visitations. This and much more as we speak to Ryan Sprague. I am Brett Moffat, and you are listening to the UFOs of Oz podcast. For many of us, Ryan Sprague needs no introduction. For UFO Twitter, fans of his very popular Somewhere in the Skies podcast and Mysteries Decoded on the CW network, Ryan is no stranger. It's a pleasure and a privilege to have you on the UFOs of Oz podcast, Ryan. And for those in the audience who aren't familiar with you, and I'm sure a lot of people are very familiar with you already, but can you just tell us about what you do and what really got you interested in in the USO, oh, sorry, the UFO phenomenon? Absolutely, Brett. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me uh, as your second guest. That's a tough act to follow, man, with that <laughs> premiere episode. So, thank no, you. thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. No, it's it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. So, yeah, I um, I my my interest in the whole UAP UFO phenomenon really started um, very early on in my life. I was a uh, teenager, and I had a UFO sighting, and um. That was kind of it for me, man. I mean, if you want, I can go into detail of the sighting. I've done it a million times, so I'm I'm used to it. But um, for any of your listeners who may not know my my origin, uh, I saw a triangular UFO, um, or what I perceive to be a triangular yep. UFO, uh, yep. with my father in 1995 in New York State. Yeah, and it uh, floated over a body of water, disappeared, and um, in those few minutes, it basically changed my life. Yeah, I, uh, I went on a journey to try to figure out what I saw, what I experienced. Mm. And um, that was it, man. I went off running. I did my first UFO interview with a witness at age 13 with a uh, Vietnam veteran of all people. Yeah. And um, who had a Foo Fighters uh, sighting, not of the band, but of the actual UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was honored that he came to me with this story yeah. uh, for the first time ever in his life. I, yep. He came to me, a 13-year-old kid, and uh, yeah. that's when I knew that that's what I wanted to do in the UFO field. I wanted to talk to people and hear their stories. You know, yeah. why, while I think times and dates and descriptions of craft are very important, data is extremely important, for me, it always came down to the person who had the experience and had the sighting because... I've been in their shoes. I've, I've looked up and saw something I couldn't explain and uh, mm. it ultimately changed my life. So that's, that's kind of my origin story. Oh no, no. And that's a, that's a, that's a pretty incredible story was with, with the craft that you saw um, based on the other, like a lot of other testimonies we hear about the triangular craft, was it moving um, fairly slowly and silently um, or, or was there any like, was there any noise or anything? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was completely silent to my knowledge. Uh, it was pretty high up. So maybe there was some sort of noise coming from this thing, but not that I could hear personally. Yeah. I also was listening to uh, green day on my headphones at the time. <laughs> and dude, I, I blast my music. I'm like <laughs> deaf now because of it. So thanks. <laughs> 13 year old Ryan, but um, <laughs> I could not hear any noise coming from it. I flipped my headphones off and all I could hear was uh, the water hitting the dock outside of this hotel yeah. that I was staying at. Yeah. And, um, and all I could hear that and I could hear my dad inside watching a Yankees baseball game. Yeah. And I had those <laughs> two sounds going on while yeah. this triangle was above me, man. Yeah. And it was just like, the weirdest, most surreal, bizarre experience ever, but um, Absolutely. completely silent and super slow. Yeah. It was just, at first it was just hovering yeah. and then it started to slowly move over the water. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I thought uh -huh. maybe it could have been a blimp or, or something like that, but uh, it was huge. 
Yeah. Like just, I can't even describe how big it was, this yeah. triangular formation. Absolutely. And then my father actually came out and saw it with me. So wow. I knew I wasn't making it up. I knew it wasn't like, you know, a plane that I was mistaken for something because he was just standing there with me dumbfounded. And, wow. Uh, you that, know, that's your parent to explain something and they can't. I know. I know. That's really special too, actually, um, to have had the experience with, with your dad. Um, they're, they're probably I was um, very lucky. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's something very special that you guys, you know, will have to talk about for the rest of your lives. Remember. Oh, them. and we do over plenty of beers, man. Yeah. Every time I meet up with him, we, yeah. it comes up in con casual conversation because of what I do. I mean, UFOs are God. 85% of my life, yeah. probably. Yeah. So anytime I go home and, you know, catch up with the folks, uh, it, it inevitably comes up some way, somehow. And mm. uh, he's a believer now, man, with everything that's going on in the world today with UFOs and yeah. uh, these conversations we've had throughout the years. Uh, he has no doubt that what we saw was not a simple airplane or blimp. Uh, yeah. It could have been some highly advanced aircraft or it was something from somewhere else that's absolutely. as far as i could say absolutely know? and that's actually it's it's a really interesting point you make because I, I i find one of the things that i kind of sometimes when i reflect on the ufo phenomenon i think of the it's such a paradigm shift to to consider it isn't it and and even i suppose when i see discussion threads and and whatnot on ufo twitter you kind of, we often make the assumption that whatever these things are or whoever they are, think the same way that we do. And, and it may not be as binary as that, you know, they may not think in terms of good, bad, you know, like, in like it's very hard to make any assumptions at all, isn't it? Because they're, they're, they're we just have no idea. We know that they, they exist. Absolutely. And I mean, you you bring it up to current day in terms of the U.S. government's, I guess, sort of not conclusions, but, um, you know, admission that they are admitting UFOs exist. And it's taken them a very long time to just do that. But what you're saying is now we have to ask the harder questions. You know, what are they? Where do they come from? And I think, like you said, most importantly, what are their intentions? We have no idea why these UFOs are here, what they're doing, where they come from. Mm. Uh, but we know they're here. Mm. And that's a big step, I think, in mm. humanity today to finally, I don't want to say everyone, because obviously not everyone accepts that just yet, uh, particularly the mainstream scientific community, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well. But um, acknowledgement. I think this is a paradigm shift, not only for an individual having the experience, but for us in the world right now mm. of being like, wow, like UFOs are something that I actually have to think about now. That's in right. Time, you know, my health, paying my bills, what I'm doing next week. I also have to now think UFOs are real. And yeah. that's huge. And that's exciting for us in the UFO community who have, you know, shouted it from the rooftops for decades now that these things are real and uh we should probably look more into that so absolutely. yeah crazy That's, times man. it is crazy it times. is yeah absolutely because i think um at, at, you know i would like to think maybe one day in the future and and this is really shooting the breeze or in terms of um you know we, we talk about the, the way that the community works on our planet in terms of trade agreements and yeah, you know, tussles over past, you know, pieces of the, the, the ocean or whatever. And it's like, you know, that's on your side and this is on my side. And right. when it, when you, you think about another civilization on a potentially another planet or where, again, that even that's an assumption, we're not sure, but if, you know, it, it's just like, it's, it's really hard to wrap your mind around, isn't it? It's, it's actually potentially very abstract because, uh you it's, know it's it's abstract and it's uh ultimately very messy if you think about it i mean you're right i don't think these uap or ufos uh please excuse the drama dog outside of my building also <laughs> <laughs> he likes to be a part of the the conversations every now and again. <laughs> right. um 
It is very abstract. And uh, I don't think these UFOs necessarily care about who our world leaders are, the sovereignty of our different nations. Uh, these are not things that I believe they would care about or mm. seem to be displaying in where they're showing up in training ranges here in the United States, mm. over military installations in mm. Australia, mm. over nuclear installations in Japan. Mm. It's very clear that whatever rules or restrictions we have here on our planet, they're not playing by those rules, spread. And no. um, that's that's a little scary. And it's um, it leaves many questions to be asked, for sure. Absolutely. No, that's, a, that's such a good point because... Um, those rules that we have in place, the rules that the military have in place, um, yeah. Look, that, that that's a rabbit's hole. Like it's a rabbit's hole. When I when I think of when I think of what happened to Commander Fravor um, with the Tic Tac and the fact that it knew the cap point, yeah, the mind sort of boggles. You think uh, they obviously understand us to some extent. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Again, it's it's like. How much do they, how much do they, that they may understand this way more than we actually think they do. Right. Uh, you right. know, perhaps they're the ones actually writing this narrative, not us. <laughs> That's such a good point. I'm so happy you said that. Um, I, I do believe, and I've said this in many interviews, that uh, I do not believe in this grand disclosure of any kind by, you know, flying saucer on the White House lawn or the United Nations coming together and saying UFOs are real, aliens are real. It's never going to happen, man. I, no. I just personally don't see that happening. No. I do believe we are on the timetable of these phenomena. And yeah. when they're ready to truly present themselves or them, I, I can't even say themselves because I don't even know if it is a sentient thing happening. Um, I do believe we are on the phenomena's timetable. I don't want to be sort of overly dramatic and say a cover up, but do you feel like the the government is really still trying to uh, run this narrative and really drag this out for as long as it possibly can? I, I see two things happening, right? And I, I think um, it's not as dark syndicate as maybe someone like a Stephen Greer would would say. Um, I believe there are factions within government uh, in every country who have a vested interest in this topic of UFOs and UAP, not so much just from a national security standpoint, but um, you got to think government is made up of thousands and thousands of individuals with their own personal belief systems, their own uh, you know, motivations for why they do what they do. So to me, it, when I, when I hear these things of like, a, um, a secret group within the Pentagon or, um, uh, you know, go back to the X-Files days of the, the literal syndicate of a, a shadow government. Um, I really think the answer is somewhere in between. I think there are groups of people who, when they have that power within whatever governmental agency they are a part of or intelligence agency, maybe they... You know, something like maybe what Jacques Vallée would say, like an invisible college of sorts, where after work, they meet up at a bar and they say, hey, yo, what's 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 the NSA saying over there? And what's the CIA saying? And, um, you know, the depart the Department of Defense. And uh, maybe they they do look into these things a lot more than than other people. Um, so for me, I don't think there's some grand cover up within the government. I, I've never really believe that i believe things have been covered up mm. because they do not have answers to what occurred you take roswell yeah. for instance probably one of the most famous incidents and um even then i i don't think that the united states uh army air force at the time they weren't even the air force yet they were still so young of course it would happen a ufo crash would happen <laughs> before that I don't think they truly knew what they were dealing with. No. And what's the best way to sort of cover it up? Um, say it was this, and then we'll figure it out. You know, very retrospect look at it. Yeah. And um, yeah, for me, man, all these things that Elizondo and Sheehan and Greer and, and individuals are saying now, um, there is probably some truth to that. And I do trust what Ross has to say on this topic. He is one of the most tenacious investigative journalists out there willing to cover the ufo topic right now um mm. and to challenge the u.s government 
when mm. ma- our mainstream media here in the country will not do that. Mm. Uh, so again, kudos to him for doing that. So if he is saying that he has talked to Im- individuals who have said these things, there probably is some truth to it, but I don't think they have the answers. I don't think the Pentagon knows no. what these UAP are. They figured out one case out of 144 that they looked at. So yeah. that right there, man, to me screams, we don't know what we're dealing with. We don't have the resources to understand what we're dealing with. And we need to continue looking into it. And you could say that that's a way to continue the narrative that they are. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll keep looking into it public and uh we're gonna put a staff on this and we're gonna get you know implement artificial intelligence and try to understand what these uap are and um we'll let you know we'll let you know um i I don't see it that way i i I think this is a way to um keep like you said keep kind of the same thing going of we don't know but we'll figure it out eventually uh that's kind of what i'm seeing happening also, too, the other thing that probably comes to my mind is that this is this is like a space race, isn't it? Really, with with I think oh, of absolutely. Russia, Russia and China. I feel like there is this race to sort of, I guess, crack the you know crack the code. Who can understand this technology and and exploit it first? I, I I'm so happy you brought that up. I I didn't mean to interrupt, but I have read this report, Brett. Um, the nine pages or what is it? Seven pages. It's got a cover page and a uh, appendix. Um, <laughs> every word in there man was like looked over before this thing went out and to me this screams cold war it's a new cold war of technology and it's not a race so much to like completely crack the ufo code but i think this is like you can use this to your advantage here in the united states we're saying it's not top secret United States technology. It can't be Russia. It can't be China. They're so barbaric compared <laughs> to the United States in terms of technology. So that's out of the that's out of the picture. Um, I don't believe that for a second. Uh, when it comes to highly advanced United States technology, I do believe that a lot of these UAP probably are something like that. And to say to other countries, no, it's not ours. It's not ours. Those other countries are not stupid. They know that a lot of it is ours and it's kind of a way to show them like, and again, it's a way to show these other countries who are adversaries to the United States or, you know, uh, even Europe uh, that uh, that's out there. We know it's not yours, but we're going to say it's not ours, but you know, deep down it is ours. So (laughs) Calm down, calm down. So I do think you're right. I think this is a race to understand um, not not so much the UFO, uh, what is behind the UFOs, but more of a race of um, technology. Yeah. Again, like you said, yeah. China is now going to do their own uh, UFO task force and use artificial intelligence. And um, you know Russia won't be far behind when it comes to that. Yeah. And I do think this topic of UFOs is a very clear way of um of doing that of kind of spreading that out to the public of these things are happening we don't know what it is but we're going to um we're going to keep it in the shadows i guess yeah to the average person on the street like what are the implications for this because Mm -hmm. the, the, the kind of the feedback i get from people is well you know it's it's you know i've still got to go to work on monday it's you know it's not gonna it's not changing my life anytime soon. It's like, um, it's, and I think too, in a lot of people's minds, it's like these are little green men in spaceships from another planet. So it's, it's, I, I guess, I guess the kind of the, the narrative for one of, you know, for one of a better word, it really hasn't been explored in great depth in terms of what this could actually mean. Can you, can you, you know, can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the first things that I make very clear when uh, I'm interviewed for articles or, uh, you know, different media outlets is always the question. um, So UFOs, they're real. So aliens are visiting our planet. And I that's the first question every time. And it's the first question where I have to be like, no, that no, no, stop. (laughs) You know, it's like hitting the dog away. Stop connecting the little green men to these UAP. We don't know that. 
nobody truly knows that. Maybe, yeah. I, I can't say for certain that nobody knows it, but for humanity overall, there has been this intrinsically linked thing between aliens and UFOs since, you know, basically recorded history of this topic. If you want to look at it from the modern UFO era, like you mentioned earlier, sort of the 1950s and uh, early or late 1940s is when this really started to amp up. And uh, right from there, it was this connector between aliens and the UFO. And I, I always try to keep them separate in the work I do. You know, mm -hmm. I do, I, I am a ufologist. I love studying UFOs. That doesn't mean I don't look at um, close encounter cases or quote unquote alien abductions, but I never am one to rush to judgment of, oh, someone saw this and, um, you know, they had missing time. I don't automatically say, oh, they were abducted by, you know, a being from another planet. Like there's just no definitive or scientific proof of that. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think where we are right now is we had the United States government admit that UFOs are real. Um, but how is the overall perception of that going to come across? Oh, they're saying aliens exist. So of course you're going to get Neil deGrasse Tyson on television. You're going to get, um, you know, nuclear physicists and people saying, this isn't possible. Um, aliens could not have traveled to our planet. Um, like, let's not let's not put the uh, the cart ahead of the horse here. And um, to me, that's not what we should be asking. When you have a UFO report come out, um, you should not be having a scientist come on and explaining to us the possibility of intelligent life elsewhere in the universe. Mm. Because we're not talking about the same thing. You have to start somewhere and then work your way up to that. And I don't think we're there overall yet. I don't think the United States government is. I don't think we, have, as humanity, are ready to really go there. And again, their UAP, their phenomena, it could be a million different things. Why does it have to be little green men? Yeah. And that's kind of where I am with that, Brett. I, 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 don't, think, um, I don't think people are quite ready to really go there of these are aliens visiting our planet. And look, the media, it just went nuts yeah. to the countdown when this report was coming out. Cause I think yeah. a lot of people um, who don't think about this topic were like, Whoa, is the Pentagon going to say aliens exist? And all of us <laughs> yeah. in the UFO community were like, no, no, that's not what they're going to say. Like, <laughs> trust me. That's yeah. not what they're going to say. Yeah. It's going to, um, a lot more mundane than that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were let down. And that's, like you said, that's why the media kind of fizzled out with this. It's because the excitement was the buildup to it all. And, you know, every outlet covered it. But now it's like, now what? Now what? Yeah. 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 Because I think, like, for me personally, I think the implications on just what we do know, the, the very little we do know, is, is extremely compelling. Um, but uh, uh, do you feel like the the actual narrative is so complex that it's it's hard to tell in a simple way? The the media is so used to communicating with with I guess the broader community in, in such a sort of a a narrow way that this is almost a bit beyond the way they're used to talking to us they can't they can't tell this story in 500 words you know or less kind of thing yes. you know it's just got too many tentacles i guess absolutely the mainstream media is not is not um ready to cover this topic in the way i think it i personally think it deserves and that is why you have independent journalists uh going there yeah and 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 you know i i Take, for example, The Debrief, a website that I um, I work for. I'm a little biased, but uh, willing to cover these topics, but also um, to very strict journalistic standards. Yeah. So, you know, we're not out there saying that, you know, again, that aliens are visiting our planet. We're saying, hey, these intelligence officials came to us and said, this is what they know. And this is yeah. what they looked at. Um, yeah. So I think you're right. I, I don't think that uh, were any closer to answers than we were uh, before this report came out. And mm. I also don't think that um, that any government is really ready to answer those questions. No. I, don't, I guess the way I, I could sum it up very easily. 
I, as a ufologist, don't think I'm ever going to know the true answer to the UFO question. And yeah. I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. I think, you know, the reward comes in the journey yeah. and um, the people I meet along the way and some of the answers I might get. Because, yeah. hey, man, like we might figure out one UFO, but we're not going to figure out all of them. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. And I think the topic is is that sort of octopus that you mentioned and that um if you're looking to cnn or uh 60 minutes to give you the answers it's simply not going to happen um but i do applaud the journalists within those mainstream outlets who have tried um several here in the united states um on nbc and, and and i do think the 60 minutes segment was incredible and also the the seven news spotlight documentary in australia it was uh those are those are what give me hope yeah mainstream journalists they get it and they know something's going on and they're working within the structure of the mainstream outlet they're working for but look ross may have gone on on you know seven new spotlight to to do that but he's also going on all of these ufo podcasts and talking to um you know, alternative outlets about it because he knows that's where the true research is happening. Yeah. And even the government has admitted, dude, that they come <laughs> to us for answers, which astounded me. Absolutely. I asked Elizondo that. I'm like, <laughs> are there like, I see all these weird Twitter accounts showing up out of nowhere. <laughs> like, I know I didn't just gain 300 followers, you know, because they liked what my last podcast episode, what's going on there? And he Absolutely. Said, Those yeah. are government people and yeah. they're coming to you guys to figure out what this UFO thing is because they have no idea. what's going on yeah well there's a lot you know absolutely and that's what's amazing about um ufo twitter is this uh yeah there's a lot of dots being connected there uh and that's what's so good about what the debrief does is it's is it's very much committed to um to this to this conversation as it unfolds as well as all the other things on the periphery which are kind of being are happening all over the place in terms of science um and developments in terms of science and things well Brett, let me let me just add um to kind of put a pin on your question you you said science and i think that is the key to all of this i yeah. think the next step when it comes to the government looking at this topic is inviting the scientific community to come in, ridicule aside, and look into the UFO topic. Look at these videos and try to understand the physics happening in them and try to reverse engineer what we're seeing in terms of, wow, we may have discovered a new law of science here and how this UFO is displaying itself and the things that it's doing. And talk to the pilots. Yeah. Talk to the people who experience these things instead of going on TV and saying they saw, you know, a crack in their, their. Oh, I know. I know. Or Or they saw, they saw Venus or something. I know. It's, it's, yeah, it gets ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. In, in some of those cases, particularly with all the discussion that's happened around the, the Tic Tac, Tic Tac incident, it's just, it's kind of. Right. There were 11 near misses with UFOs in this yeah. UAP report. Yeah. Like that's not a misidentification. That mm. is a solid object being Absolutely. picked up on radar, being picked up on camera, being picked up by satellite, yeah. brushing past an aircraft. So yeah. you're right, man. I, and yeah. again, I think um, the next step is the scientists. They are going to be, I think, the the harbingers of truth when it comes to this topic. Yeah. And they to be a part of the discussion and we need to get them involved with the government again we were talking about a few people in a basement who were doing this pentagon report on the side yeah you know, yeah after their nine hour day at work and a couple beers a glass of wine and then they're <laughs> like oh i gotta do this stupid ufo thing now <laughs> like let's put some honest to god science to this thing yeah and figure it out and there's incredible scientists out there who are willing to do that so uh, um yeah i have hope where does the discussion go without the scientific community and also the data from outside of the government yeah. you know again this report was strictly military ufo encounters yeah. and for every one of those men there's 
thousands of people around the world who have seen these things as well. Absolutely. So like invite that to be a part of the data. Otherwise, what's the point of Absolutely. looking at 144 cases? That's not going to determine what UFOs are strictly because they were military observers. Yeah, they're trained observers. And there is a, a high level of credibility to that. Yep. But so is the, you know, the law enforcement officer who Absolutely. saw you. So is your barista at the coffee shop. Like, I don't care who these people are or their level of, uh, you know, intelligence. They saw something they could not explain. Absolutely. And whether it was a identification or not, yeah. or they made it up, whatever. Let's, yeah. let's wade through that eventually, but at least let it be a part of the data. And that's not what the United States government is doing right now. So I think they're kind of, you know, they're really shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to only looking at military stuff, in, in my personal opinion. There's so many compelling cases out there that I don't think have come to light um, that, that I've sort of come across. Like I know I know we've got some amazing researchers who've done a, a ton of work on, on many cases, but um, there was one I was going to um, just discuss with you, the Knowles, which is very close oh, to yes. home, the Knowles family case. Um, yes. Uh, would you like to tell us? Have you? Have you? Oh, like sure. Yeah, man. I could. I. This is. Um, this is a case that I've come across in the past, uh, probably two years or so ago. So it's fairly new to me as well. And again, that's because I think a lot of us here in the United States, we look at Roswell, we look at um, you know all these cases that happen here, and we tend to not look elsewhere. So I think it's really important that all these other cases get covered. And um, for me, the, the Knowles incident was one of the big ones. And um, if you don't mind, I actually have my notes here, so I might refer to them a little <laughs> Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. No, no, no. Right. I've, I've, I've got some <laughs> notes we can cross check out. I've got some oh, notes perfect. as well. So I uh, know. And then um, I have looked into into that, uh, that case a little bit. So it'd be really interesting to have a chat about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And please stop me if... Um, I'm incorrect on anything, but uh, this was January of 1988. Yeah. Uh, the Knowles family were driving from, I believe it was from Perth to Melbourne. It was Faye, the mother, Patrick, Wayne, and Sean, her sons, and their two dogs. And um, it was about 1 a.m. and uh, they're driving down this desolate road and uh, the radio starts going nuts. Very close encounters of the third kind-esque. Yeah. And, um, they, Sean, I believe, was driving at the time. He was the only one awake. Everyone else was asleep in the car. Again, it was like around 1 a.m. And uh, he notices a light off in the distance coming at him mm. and uh, fairly quickly. And he's a little, you know, on edge. He, it's like veering into the lanes and whatnot. Yeah. So he wakes everyone up in the car and he's like, uh, hey, guys, brace for impact, possibly. Something's <laughs> about to happen. And, you know the lights coming at him and then it starts lifting off of the road. So it clearly wasn't a vehicle mm. and this light went over their car mm. and uh, they start freaking out yep. and um, they pulled over at one point and uh, the light disappeared out of sight. And then Sean gets back on the road. He's like, okay, everything's all right. And as they're driving back home towards Perth, uh, they notice that the light is now behind them and coming at them very yep. quickly. Yeah, And this is where the story just kind of went off the rails. Uh, yeah. The light goes above their car and uh, they feel a thud on top of the car, like something landed on the roof and it actually dents the roof of the car. Yeah. So mind you, the car is still moving at this time. So they're yeah. freaking out. Sean's trying to stay consistent on the road. Yeah. The dogs are going nuts. Yeah. And, uh, that's when they felt the car literally lift off of the road. Yeah. They were being elevated by whatever was above them. Yeah. So naturally, this is the point where I think they all <laughs> were like, something truly <laughs> extraordinary is happening. And yeah. Faye, being the you know the mother, um, the protector, she actually rolls down the window and puts her hand out yeah. and can feel this ufo this craft above her yeah. and is trying to like dislodge it from their car yeah and she said that her hand um it got burnt yeah. and uh it, it was very hot yeah and she had like a very strange black dust or powder yeah all over. yeah okay so yeah. um at this point 
they're freaking out the car the speedometer on the car is something like over a hundred kilometers per hour yeah i think it was 200 kilometers per hour yeah so you know can you imagine the tires going that quick and then getting back on the road what could happen but that's inevitably what happened yeah um the car starts to lower uh it feels like they're dislodged from this thing and uh they're back on the road and they hit with such force the impact that uh i believe one or two of their tires like burned out yeah um and that's when sean's like all right well (laughs) this is done they um they pull the car over as best they can they all run out of the car hide behind a bunch of bushes yeah and that's when they actually saw uh presumably the craft that had done this and they said it was um it was very big it was illuminated it was um shaped like an egg in a cup i believe sean said yeah and um eventually disappeared out of sight and this is when a few trucks pulled over and uh helped them get to a service road station Mm. and to get their car fixed up and then that's when they reported it to the police and um there was an investigation. I believe a local group in mm. Australia came and investigated this from Victoria. Yeah. I believe it was. And yeah. um, they got some of this black powder that was on the car that was on Faye mm. and they had it tested and there were extreme signs of radiation within mm. this uh, dust in, the, in these elements. And that was kind of it, man. The story went viral in mm. Australia, mm. Uh, as viral as it could back then, mm. and uh, started picking up steam across the world. And the the uh, Knowles family became semi-famous for a little while, but yeah. I don't think in the way they truly wanted. They wanted to get their story out there of what happened, and it was immediately uh, ridiculed. And yeah. everyone made fun of them and said they were, you know, it was mass hysteria. And uh, this family, or they made it all up. It was all a hoax. And um, it did not end very well for them. They they were sort of laughed out of, you know, their their town there in Perth. And Mm. um, I felt so bad hearing how this thing ended for, you know, and that, you know, that's the price you pay for coming forward with such an extraordinary family. But when you look at them in interviews, they were clearly affected by whatever this event was. Absolutely. And in this case is not talked about enough in my personal opinion. So I thought it was definitely worth bringing up in your, uh, your neck of the woods. I recall seeing them in, in an interview, they had an interview fairly shortly afterwards and they were still clearly quite, um, shocked and, and, and affected by it. Um, but absolutely. Yeah. That there's the stigma, the stigma, which continues to this day. Um, you know, it, 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 yeah, obviously back then it was, I think it was even worse. Um, but, uh, I, I think what's really interesting about this case, um, and it's a phenomena that's, that's known here. I'm not sure if it's really known, um, overseas, but, um, have you ever heard of, um, Min Min or Min Min lights before? Um, Yes, I, I do believe I've come across the term, but please elaborate because yeah, yeah. oh no, 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 my pleasure. But um, uh, the Min Min lights, uh, it it it's very much to very you know to the phenomena that we just spoke about with the with okay. the Knowles case, which is which is lights um, that that tend to approach um, vehicles, um, you know, usually on lo- lonely highway roads, usually in the outback um they go back they basically go back to the aboriginal dream time so you know a scientist i think from um, queensland university did some study and sort of on the min min lights to my knowledge he really was only able to sort of partially explain them from a scientific point of view and and interestingly i don't think i don't think his explanation covers all of the all of the so-called min min light occurrences um he he sort of describes a, a kind of climatic aberration i guess where cold air meets hot air and and it creates this 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 glow um on the horizon and you, and you can and that that can potentially be seen from from a long distance away but um there are many other instances um of reports where the the the, the you know the it's 
it's it's not just in the distance that that literally these things sit behind cars or or right. semi trailers and whatnot. So I and, think and it affect I, the vehicle. Presumably. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that, definitely. That really caught my attention too. And um, I'll just refer to Joe Rogan's podcast, which was I think number one five seven four. Jacques Vallée spoke about the. Uh, the patterns, what, what do the patterns tell us? Do you think that there's, yeah, can, can you talk um, about, you know, this 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 interest in nuclear energy and, and even even like the skill, like I'm not sure if we can extrapolate anything or make any kind of correlation between where, you know, where a lot of sightings are, have happened, but can, you know, can we talk a little bit about what the patterns could suggest? Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, and you did bring this up earlier that a lot of this seemed to really uh, explode um, in the 50s. And you look at this is the age of the atomic age. This was the literal atomic age. And uh, you did see a huge influx of UFO reports coming in around when uh, the United States detonated the first atomic bomb. And a lot of people sort of, you know, zoom out and think, oh, that was a beacon to whatever was out there of what this tiny planet over here could do and the capabilities they now possessed or, or, or harnessed, I guess. And um, that's just as good as uh, an observation as any, I think. And I do believe that there is a extreme interest in our nuclear capabilities by these UAP UFOs. Uh, you know, I came across a case just the other day that happened this year in Japan, where uh, UFOs were sighted over a nuclear reactor. Um, right here in New York, where I live, there was a, a case back in the 80s, where a huge dome shaped UFO was reported over another nuclear reactor. And, uh, and this was seen by every guard at the time that was at this installation. Um, and then you go to the more fa famous ones where they have possibly turned on or turned off nuclear missiles, mm. which is terrifying. Mm. And we have <laughs> dozens and dozens of cases and we have testimony from people who worked at these installations uh, willing to come forward and say, yeah, yep, flipped them on. I wasn't able to get them off. I can't tell you what it was, but there was something above the the installation at that time. Yeah. So I do believe that there is a strong pattern and connection when it comes to UFOs and uh, our nuclear capabilities. And you, mm. again, you look at something even like the, the Navy UFO sightings that have occurred here in the United States that have been made famous now by the New York Times. A lot of these carriers are powered by nuclear energy. Mm. So there you go. You don't even need nuclear weapons on these things. It's yeah. just the nuclear energy powering these huge vessels. Yeah. And um, is it a way to either, uh, some believe maybe even this is a way to attract UFOs, that this is the way the military is trying to almost go fishing, put yeah. that nuclear bait out there and see yeah. what these UAP do. So yeah. I do believe this is a huge piece of uh, the puzzle, mm. I honestly do. And the, again, it's not just here in the United States. This yeah. is happening at nuclear installations all over the world. Yeah, and I guess you could you could argue that these are just um, uh, sort of random events, but they don't appear to be random events. Like definitely, when I think of like the parallels between the aerial case and the Westall case, they were clearly. Um, multiple UAPs um, in in aerial one actually landed, and the children um, apparently got very close to a, a being. Um, in Westall, had Westall, I, I, I really get a strong feeling that if Westall was was to play out, and the UAP didn't take off and fly away, because apparently. Um, I'm not sure how many of the children got close to that particular UFO. I know one girl got close enough to actually feel the heat. Um, and it was, um, I, I almost get the feeling if that was to play out, that potentially that was, that may have been the objective. And I know that's a, a grand assumption, but it, it was just 
interesting that, that the UAP decided to approach a school and land right next to a school where there's school children. So it kind of, I guess what, what these instances suggest to me is that what's ever behind the UAP actually understand us a lot more than what we think potentially. They understand what nuclear energy is. Um, that's obviously of great interest to them, but also too, you know, to, to land at a, at a school. And I could even, you know, use the Fravor event where they knew where the cap point was going to be. So there's, you know, there's obviously an intelligence behind this, isn't there? That, that, yes. that, that apparently understands us. If this technology is hundreds, if not thousands of years more advanced than us, then, you know, just thinking outside of the nuts and bolts of what these things are and what they can do. When you think of, think of that more broadly in terms of what the possibilities are in, in terms of technology, I suppose, for want of a better word. Yeah, that they, they may, they may know exactly, you know, on a, on a very, very deep level, much more about this planet and much more about us than what we do. We know ourselves. Or Brett, they are us. I, I I always loved going there because I feel it's a lot more possible than a lot of the other explanations. Mm. Um, again, like clearly, I'm no quantum physicist, or uh, I haven't I haven't taken time travel 101 advanced courses <laughs> or anything like that. But I mean, I think you're right. There is an intelligence behind a lot of this that seems to be either uh, precognitive or uh, so far advanced that yes they they do they are able to read our emotions or 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 our thoughts and i i love that you brought up these two school cases because i think there's a reason for that i i do believe that these two events are somehow connected it might not have been the same intelligence behind them you know there was what a gap of something like 30 years between them. Maybe mm. maybe Westall was, like you said, the failed attempt of a close encounter. They yeah. didn't quite get there. And yeah. then they came back in 94 to Zimbabwe and it finally did it. But who yeah. knows, man. But um, I think the important thing here is that they uh, presented themselves to children. And, and I think, again, I think that is something that we don't look at um, a lot because we tend to believe that children are, you know, making stuff up all the time or mistaking things. And for me, I actually really value testimony from children because I believe they they will not filter themselves as an adult would when they see something like this. Yeah. An adult would try to find every conventional explanation before saying, I just saw an alien uh, craft land and a little dude running around the, the disc part of the craft and then get up and leave. Like, yeah. who's going to believe that? Yeah. So when these 200 or so kids in Westall said that they saw this or what the 60 kids in, in Zimbabwe said they see that I tend to believe them more than I would an adult saying it because they aren't filtering themselves. Absolutely. They aren't afraid to um, uh, say something. Yeah. I, I live here in New York and you know, there's little kids on the, the subway platforms who might see, you know, um, some unfortunate homeless person peeing in a corner mm. and saying, mom, look at that person peeing, you know, whereas an adult would say, would look away and just like, you know, not be a part of the situation. Yeah. So again, I think uh, children are extremely honest and they don't care what people think about what they're saying. Mm. And uh, I firmly believe those events happened. I spoke personally to one of the primary witnesses of the Zimbabwe case, Selma Sadiq. Mm. And uh, that event changed her life in yeah. many positive ways. And for some of the children, not so positive ways. So then you wonder, do these events happen? And they want to see how it plays out in the observer's life. Mm. Um, I love thinking about those things, the mm. aftermath of an event. That's what I do in the UFO field is I focus on what happened after the event. Yeah. How it changed an individual. Yeah. So I go back to these children cases and be like, they were they were meant to be a part of this. This wasn't happenstance. They wanted the children to experience this and see how it ultimately affected them yeah. 20, 30, 40 years down the line. Um, yeah. 
again, that might be going really out there, but hey, again, it's just a theory that I think um, might might lend to some answers eventually. I don't know. Absolutely. And and no, I, I don't think it is. I think it's really important to have those, you know, to have that conversation because um, it, it's, it's um, the data, which, which, you know, for that particular case, like the Zimbabwe case, the, the data really is in the, the eyewitness testimony and what those children felt like um, that they, they all reported um, this, this sense of, of um, calm, but also a sense of that the alien, I'll, I'll just use the word alien, but was communicating, um, you know, got to get rid of technology, it's not good, you know, need to look after the planet, like that they all reported a very, very similar feeling. And then they said it just disappeared. Those feelings just disappeared. Um, and obviously, um, the the you know the, the UAP left the the being left the UAP left. But um, uh, yeah, like it's it's you know that that was unanimous. Um, I think in terms of the ones who got close to that being, they all reported um, very similar feelings. Um, so there's there's an idea of gifting, Brett. I think uh, that we we can look at too. Um, there are people out there who believe the Roswell UFO crash was a gift to humanity, the technology, mm. um, that maybe there weren't beings in there, or maybe they, there were, mm. and they sacrificed themselves for the furtherance of science here on this other planet. Be like, yeah. here's this, um, let's see what you do with it. Maybe again, these children who reported that they saw images of the world being destroyed and you have all these contactees back in the 60s saying the same thing. Mm. Like, stop the nuclear arms race. This is what the aliens told me. Like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of them were making it up or were delusional, but maybe there are some who actually experienced that. And look, that message has been linear throughout the beginning of the whole contactee movement up until today. Stop destroying the planet. Um, Technology can be used for good, but it can also be used for very bad things. So, yeah. What did happen with that Roswell craft? Has it been implemented into the world in a good way if it was alien and so far advanced? Or has it been used, like always, to militarize technology? Mm. Um, obviously, we can't answer those questions. But yeah, maybe it is these intelligence gifting us with knowledge or messages or even technology to see what we do with it. Yeah. And clearly, our planet is still suffering in many different ways. So we're clearly not using it to the potential I think we could, mm. but um, maybe we will. I, I, I can't tell you, but yeah. I do think child encounters are a lot more important than we uh, give them credit for. Yeah, absolutely. No, and thank you so much. Thank you so much for for discussing that. Um, so um, what what is happening in your world at the moment? What is, um, what uh, what are you working on? Um, right now that you're happy to discuss with us and the listeners? Absolutely. Um, always something, man. I, I never stop. I do I do the weekly podcast, Somewhere in the Skies, every Monday. Um, and I'm coming out with a really fun episode this week where we discuss the origins of uh, Tom DeLong's company okay. and the enigmatic general in the Air Force that may have put all of this that we're talking about into play. So mm-hmm. um, that was a fun discussion. I'm talking to Ross very soon. He's coming on the show yep. to uh, talk all about his doc in uh, in Australia and um, his upcoming book coming out. Yep. Uh, but other than that, uh, I have a new season of Mysteries Decoded uh, premiering very soon here in the United States uh, yep. where I went out and investigated some pretty well-known UFO cases and found some... Um, some awesome new evidence for them yeah so um hopefully you guys can get it over there too uh if not let me know absolutely yeah i did (laughs) i I actually went looking for i couldn't um i think there could be some stuff on youtube but it's not readily easily available actually um it never is we didn't get ross's doc here in the united states so i uh 
unfortunately, I had to go through the back channels for that. Oh, okay. I'll, ha I'll have to apologize to him, but uh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I like. I think he'd be he'd be very happy to uh, you know that, that the more people that could get to see that. Um, That's what's the, important. The better, but um, I th I think to uh, it may be becoming available um, soon. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't not probably not soon enough. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, and you're working on a book as well. I know you're working on a new book. Yes, yeah. I, I thank you for for bringing that up. I I always forget to mention that. Yeah. Uh, so my most recent book came out last year. It was the second edition of my book, and. Um, it was 80,000 new words. So it was basically a brand new book. But um, again, I'm all about the aftermath of UFO events. So I always want to continue the story. These things don't just happen and then it's over. Yeah. Uh, they have lasting impacts on people. Yeah. So I'm working on a new book right now uh, where I do revisit some of the stuff I've, I've done in the past, but I'm going to be focusing um, on individuals who find themselves in my shoes, in your shoes, they are a part of the UFO research community mm. um, or the paranormal community or anything unexplained and trying to understand what ignited, I think, the flame in these people to want to dedicate their lives to uncovering these mysteries and um, the many profound experiences they've had along the way. So um, mm. it's probably the most in-depth and most... Um, intimate thing I've ever written. I, I'm meeting with each of these people and really going deep into their yeah. lives, yeah. Uh, whether it's through their belief systems or, um, you know, just, just everything you could possibly think of and how it connects to what they're doing today in these weird worlds we find ourselves in Brett. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't say when it's going to come out, but, um, yeah. I'm working on it diligently and, uh, I, I I really think it'll contribute something new to the conversations we're having. That's really exciting, um, and and that's a really interesting topic in terms of the aftermath. Um, and it 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 makes me wonder: Do you feel do you feel it affects everyone differently based on their own belief systems, or do you feel like there's do you look at all the stories and cases you've investigated in terms of the aftermath and, and, and how people feel, do you feel there's any correlation to those in, in terms of they, they experience similar feelings or do you just feel like it just kind of just changes their outlook on the world? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely patterns and um, a lot of it has to do with language and how someone interprets the experience. So I definitely found patterns within like the actual words people use okay. to describe what they experienced, um, you know, and then it just opened up from there. So, yeah, I did find patterns, but I think what was more exciting was the um, the the broadness of it all and the weirdness mm. of it all. A lot of these people couldn't really describe what they experienced in very simple terms of it was an alien who mm. abducted me or it was an angel and it was a miraculous experience. Um, it really depends on the lens in which you look at the experience. Yeah. And for every person in the book, it was different. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah. I think I set out to find patterns and I came out on the other side being like, you can't, uh, you just, you can't. And, um, we are creatures of habit and pattern and we look for those. Yeah. And the more I dug, the more I realized that's not what we're dealing with. Uh, yeah. I don't think we're meant to truly find a pattern with all of this. I think it's a singular experience for the person having it. And it's how they either embrace it or uh, deny it mm. uh, that ultimately will affect them and humanity overall. So um, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at, man. I, I, uh, I, I, feel like more and more people are feeling comfortable coming forward with these things and uh, normalizing these topics. Mm. And the more people that come forward, the more it becomes okay to talk about it. And then we can start having those uh, bigger conversations of, is it alien? Is it uh, interdimensional beings? Or yeah. Really, really dealing with. So, yeah. Yeah. I can't pretend that I'm going to find answers, but I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> yeah, keep trying. no, absolutely. And that's why the work you do is, is so important because there are, there are so many areas um, in this whole phenomena 
which is um, which which needs to be investigated. You know, in in terms of well, they sh- you know that that phrase gumshoe detectives. You know, we we need a lot of gumshoe detectives doing different things. And um, part of my research is is actually understanding um, how our culture interprets this and how it delivers this and and i feel um in many ways and and this this often happens i guess with with uh with many people who experience things that um because there is no data to support their experiences they often get dismissed as well you know you might have been confused or you know how many pills have you popped lately or whatever you know there's always kind of um you know, uh, unless there's data, it's it's obviously really hard to be objective. But um, and and you might be able to speak to this too. But but people who have experiences, you know, who really believe in those experiences, I guess you might believe in something, but never actually had an experience of it. And that can be a little bit different to something you have had an experience of, um, which may cause you to think differently like um th- this actually happened yesterday this is like so weird uh i had to get my i had to get my hair cut and i was rushing to the hairdressers and um um i i just pulled pulled into a it was like parallel parking there was like a building it was like a like an industrial kind of building there and i just like pulled in and i went and i went and had my hair cut and that was all fine and then i came when i came back i sat in the car and there was this building and there was a hedge. It was about five feet tall hedge. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there was a, a big section cut out of the hedge. It was like a metre and a half and graffitied on the wall right in front of me. I was just sitting there looking. I just sat there and I, I like looked straight ahead. was UFO. Graffiti. Oh, no way. I was like, I was like, wow. I, 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 and, and I just, I thought like, wow. I wasn't looking like it was so weird because I came home and I told my my kids and my wife and I said I don't I don't know what it means it's just it was just that like it's just one of those things it just it's just there you know and it's like I I know anyone could have seen that but it was just weird that when I sat in that car it was like it's like that's that is the world giving you a message man or or the phenomena I I truly believe that and again it's what you choose to do with the power you gave that experience yeah and that's kind of where i think all of this really lies it's it's how you both interpret the experience and how you decide to integrate it into your life yeah and again for those kids in zimbabwe and westall some of them really just you know leaned into it and really embraced it and it helped them and some look they denied it they uh became really depressed or uh some were driven to alcoholism like it really is up to you how much power you give something like that yeah um and i think that's awesome i i (laughs) i feel i think that was a sign um but or it could just be complete happenstance you know absolutely no i i felt it was a sign that's why i felt compelled to tell you because um I love that. Thank you, you know, for sharing. I, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, I have to take breaks from UFO Twitter every now and again. I, I have to oh, admit, yeah. I just feel like it's just, it's it's too much information. I've, I've, I feel like unless I can separate it, my brain needs to process things and, you know, you know, and sometimes it can't process stuff. So it's it's weird because I have these these moments where it's like, no, no, I need to step back and then I'm, I'm back into it and then I need to step back. Anyway, I felt like that. And, and, and that's the thing, like, I, I'm not going to, you know, necessarily go back there and look at the wall again, but it, it's, it's just, I think it was, I think, as you say, I think it was like, a, it was the universe or whatever, sending me a really strong message. It's like, hey, dude, we know, <laughs> we, know you, we know you're struggling, but here you go. Here's the message. You know, yeah. you need to see this, you know, don't give up, keep going. Like, it's just, um, you know, that's what I took. I think, um, I think it, it would not serve me to deny it or kind of go, oh, that was a coincidence and then just mm-hmm. move on from it. Like I personally, um, I won't read into it too much, but I do definitely feel like it was some kind of a, 
hint. <laughs> I have no doubt. A hint, a nudge, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I think these phenomena are so teasing and tricksterish that uh they are that weird for a reason and they they do whatever the hell they want it goes back to exactly what we were saying they don't care who the united states president is or or you know the prime minister of this country this that doesn't matter like this could all be a game to them and it could be all for fun and hey if we're even being invited into that game i think uh (laughs) That's awesome, because I was always picked last in gym class, man. <laughs> at least I got picked. That's the way I look at it. And I got picked for ufology, so yeah. that's 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 it for me. <laughs> I know. It is. It is. It's a very exciting game. It's a fun game, and it's always changing. But it is. It's all, It's also fun, and it's, also, it's good not to take it too seriously sometimes, even though Absolutely. a lot of serious stuff is going on. Um, you do need to kind of, you know, put it all in perspective and whatnot. But, um, yeah. Agreed. Right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, look, I think we'll wrap it up there. It's been amazing, uh, amazing to meet you in person. We've, we've, I know we've been sort of emailing, and uh, I've been know. following. I've been following somewhere in the skies for a really long time, and um, it's a fantastic show. And and um, thank you so much for the contribution you make to ufology, um, and I think to presenting the stories and presenting all the information that you do to the community. Um, hopefully that stuff is, is is getting out to a much broader community. Hope it, hopefully it keeps continuing to do that. But thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate your time today um, in talking to me. And um, yeah, we'll catch up again soon. Absolutely. My pleasure, my honor, Brett. Keep doing what you're doing, man. We need you. No. We, we need you in this game, in this fight. And uh, <laughs> I have no doubt you're, uh, you're going to shoot to the top, man. So thank you. It's been a true honor. Good stuff. Thank you so much. My pleasure.